your best. Losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Labyrinth, come in. people to another episode of Dude the Monkey, an official film rap podcast. I am Mark Foster, and as ever I'm joined by my co-host. Good morning, hello. Hello everybody, and today we have a disaster movie special. Well, we're reviewing one disaster movie. Uh, it is the uh, Rock and Carla Gugino versus Nature in San Andreas. Uh, we might have some trailers, but we only recorded like three, four days ago, so I don't know if there's anything out. Uh, we're going to do some what I've been watching and general kind of tangent-y stuff, because uh, we've not really got anything that we can do marathon at the moment that's jumping out and grabbing us, so we're just going to kind of maybe not do a marathon for the next few weeks to just give us a little bit of breathing space, because we found that we were actually rushing the um, Police Academy marathon films. Yeah, I mean, I... The thing is, the marathons, they don't really generate much in terms of feedback or anything. And yeah. I, I I slightly find them work. There can be some... The, 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 the What Is It Marathon got to be a little bit... Um, a little bit hard work. So, if anything ever... if I, I think what we'll probably do is, if either of us has a fucking idea where we go, ooh, do you know what? Blah is coming out in... Four weeks, shall we watch these four movies leading up to it? Or something yeah, yeah. like that, then we might do it that way. Uh, but for now, yeah. it but, gives us a little bit more. The fact that we're doing uh, what we've been watching, it gives us a little bit more freedom to talk about, you know, films in more in depth if we want to, if we watched a particularly a lot that week. Hello? Is Ian still there? Yeah, nearly. Yes, uh, Hello. Yeah, sorry, mate. I um, my monitor's suddenly decided to turn itself off. I'm not too sure what's going on. Sorry, <laughs> I was trying to 
not sound like I was distracted, but I am. Um, sorry, mate, bear with me. I'll just be a sec. Yeah, no worries, no worries. We'll leave Ian to do that. So, uh, yeah, so, Marathon, if anyone does have any like, burning ideas that they'd like us to do with Marathon, then please get in touch. We're not saying we're going to completely scrap the idea of Marathons, uh, but we're just going to we're just gonna put it on, on hold for a, uh, a little <laughs> while. Cool, we are back. Uh, Second angle hitch there, uh, going back to the, the good old days where we used to have them every week. Um, so uh, we'll get into it. Ian, uh, have you seen any trailers this week? No. No, me neither. Amer- oh, no, I've seen one. American Ultra, that's it. Um, How is it? That uh, reminded me a lot of Pineapple Express, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, because Pineapple Express is a, is, is a fun movie. Um, yeah. But maybe that's just because it, it's kind of... Stoners fighting, which essentially is what American Ultra looks a little bit like, uh, has the possibility, like anything starring Jesse Eisenberg, of seeming like it's a little bit too smart for its own good, but often he does manage to, where you look at a film and you go, is it going to be one of those ones where he annoys me? And then he, he just manages to just not annoy you. It yeah. happens to tread a fine line sometimes, I think. So... It might be alright, it might not. I'm definitely not going to rush to a cinema to see it, but I will catch it on VOD at some point. Fair enough. It is without a doubt one of those. It's a midweek VOD watch. Nice. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not expecting anything out of it, to be honest. I, I go as far as say it's the sort of film where I will watch, undoubtedly, on my iPad when I go... Uh, I've got off a couple of hours at work uh, when I ain't got out to do or something like that and I'll go fuck it I'll watch that that's the sort of movie that that will be yeah. um, just just going back to the marathon point really briefly yeah. if, if anyone feels strongly that they'd like us to actually continue doing the marathons on a regular basis let us know mm. um, but I will say I'm looking more towards the idea of um, uh, what you were mentioning about, like, before a particular film comes out, like, going back through the older ones. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'd have no problem, like, doing the Mission Impossible films before the fifth one, or... Um, exactly, stuff like that. That makes perfect sense, yeah. Yeah, so, but otherwise, I think an expanded what we've been watching and just general tangent section might be might be a good place to go. Absolutely. Give us the opportunity if we want to have like, a broader discussion on something, we absolutely can. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, right, so what I'll do then uh, is I'll play a trailer for uh, San Andreas. The which, we, which we definitely have to have a broader discussion on. San Andreas deserves time. It does deserve time, of course it does. It is The Rock and Carriga G versus Nature. Finally, Mano falling off a roof. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> It's incredible. This is the third mini quake since we've been here. And the magnetic pulse rate has increased before each one of them. That was a 2.2. Our model's predictive. <laughs> right, man, finally. Yep, we sure did. <laughs> What's wrong? The pulse rates are spiking again. They're huge. Are you serious? Yep. I'm about to have a major quake. It jumped to a 7.1! Jesus, get the hell out of there! Everybody get off the deck! Everybody, oh! 
hilarious. Okay, that was the trailer for San Andreas, a disaster movie by Brad Pitt and starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Carla Gugino, Alexandra Dara, Dadaraya, Dadaraya, and Paul Giamatti, uh, plus some other people who I don't recognise. Oh, and uh, Ewan Grufford uh, as well. Uh, he's in it, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Story is uh, your standard uh, kind of disaster movie. It's all set in and around uh, San Andreas, um, but we have The Rock playing Chief Ray Gaines, who is a helicopter rescue pilot, uh, and he is estranged from his wife. No, he's not even estranged from her. They're separated, aren't they? They're, They're pretty much divorced. getting divorced. Yeah, they, they he gets, he gets papers marked. Divorced. Yeah. They, he gets papers marked, very specifically, divorce papers divorce at the start of the film. Yes. Uh, but uh, they seem to still get on, and uh, he has a good relationship with his daughter, but his wife is moving in with Johan Grufford, who's an incredibly wealthy man, uh, and he's supposed to be taking his daughter to college, but then... <gasps> Oh my god, uh, Paul Giamatti has noticed that there's this massive earthquake coming that first hits Nevada, so damn it, he can't go because he's needed to go and rescue people, and then spends the, uh, <laughs> well, the entire film actually rescuing nobody but his own family using public funds. He steals very, very much needed public property. Hey, so hey, do, you know what? do you know what? Fuck it, it's survival of the fittest, and the rock is fit. It is amazing. That, seriously, that is amazing. It is. It literally is. It is. It is like a computer game where you get to travel on every bit and have weapons upgrades. It is brilliant. Uh, um, so, Ian, uh, San Andreas, uh, what did you think? Uh, first, yeah. can I ask you a question first? Are you a fan, a general fan of sort of this this type of family disaster movie? Um. Yeah, I mean, to to an extent, I don't have a, a wide vocabulary in it, but I mean, like, disaster movies in general, I mean, The, the Towering Inferno, I watched that for the first time a couple of years back, and that film is genuinely great. That would that, be up there. If you were to make a list of, like, the best um, sort of disaster movie, The Towering Inferno would be fucking near the top in that. I mean, like, one defining thing I remember from that film is just one of the characters gets set on fire... And it's just one long shot of him running around screaming on fire. And it's just like that that stuntman was on fire for yeah. a really, really long time. Yeah. Uh, that, that, and also, isn't that the film where Paul... Was it Steve McQueen and Paul Newman yeah. can decide on... No, Steve McQueen and... Fuck, that's going to bother me. It is Paul Newman. Yeah, yeah they, they couldn't decide on which one had the first title. Yeah. So... Like one of them's on the bottom left, and then one of them's on the top right. Yeah, that that's a that's incredible. But yeah, so yeah, I mean, I I like my disaster films. I mean, obviously, like a kind of Roland Emmerich's been the, the kind of the, the, the grand poobah of them for the last ten fifteen years or so. Mm. Um, and I mean, this very is is very very similar to like Day After Tomorrow or something like that in terms of you know, um, guy has relationship with. Uh, with kids, has to rescue kids. Um, I don't think Dennis Quaid gets back with his ex-wife in, in Day After Tomorrow or anything, but it's like that kind of thing going on. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I like these films, I take it you do. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I like the old disaster, uh, all the topness of them, uh, really. It, 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 they're 
they're good for switch your brain off and just kind of fucking you know especially nowadays where you with these large sale ones because of the technology that we that we have you can create these whole shifting landscapes etc and it, you know it is kind of like it's that being able to see something uh, as close to reality as you'd like because you never actually really want to fucking see it in reality totally yeah man i mean so yeah i mean i and i i had a good time with this um it's got flaws like it's serious flaws but in terms of its basic what it's looking to do which is essentially disaster porn um i think it handles it quite well tonally i wish it kind of made up it could make up its mind um either just embrace the silly or be entirely serious and don't have someone saying to Paul Giamatti, who do we call? And then the music rising and then him saying, everyone. <laughs> you know. There's a, there's a strange thing, right? Um, where um, me and Becky have like a long in-running joke. Do you remember the uh, film Law Abiding Citizen? Yeah. The, the really terrible... Uh, Gerard Butler, Gerard Butler movie. Yeah. yeah, there's a great bit in that where uh, Gerard Butler threatens to kill everyone. Yeah, and it's a bit like what I you've been really unspecific there, Jan. Everyone. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah. A long range joke where it's like, are you going to kill? Or I'm going to kill everyone. And when he said, "Who are we going to call everyone?" Me and Becky both leaned into each other at the same time yeah. and went, "Does that mean they're calling Gerard Butler?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that would have been a turn for the books. Yeah. No. Oh, good. Um, but so that—that's the thing. It like it doesn't. You know, the trailer presents a very kind of serious. You know, when it hits, where will you be? Kind of thing. And the film, there's a sequence late on where I think it's like during the tsunami, and then suddenly it's cutting to loads of random people and two old people realizing they're going to die and hugging each other and things like that. And it's just like this film hasn't earned this. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see what you mean on that kind of thing. Yeah, certainly. But, yeah, but I mean, it, 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 in its more visceral pleasures, I think it does it really well. It's got production value. Mm-hmm. It looks like it costs a lot of money, um, and that's that's great. That's absolutely fine. Um, also, heaven be praising a blockbuster that is under two hours long. Yes. It's like an hour 48 or something like that. Probably about six or seven minutes at the end of credits. You know, it's about 100 minutes. It does... It, it's a little long at the end. I think that the sequence with the door and you think she's dead sequences, that goes on a bit long. You You're could, kind of like... You could shave three or four minutes easily out of that, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit... I'm kind of done with this now. I know I know she's not going to die. I'm, I'm done. Um, and then you've got the, the American flag waving at the end, and what are we going to do now? Rebuild. I, you see, I, I almost, I almost think that that is a little bit, a little bit like somebody almost taking the piss, but in a very much a people will love this, but we're kind of taking yeah. the piss a little bit, kind Again, of way. If the film didn't have the odd like, really deathly serious moment, I'd be more on board with that. Yeah. But it just, it does kind of feel like, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I don't I don't think so. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think of it? I had a great time with it, to be honest. Um, I, 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 what I wanted when I went into this movie was a The Rock and Caligino disaster movie. Where they go, uh, where they have to 
get through this disaster to go and find their daughter. And I wanted, you know, the ridiculousness of, of seeing what essentially would be horrible things to happen in reality. I wanted that kind of thing with that, with the occasional, you know, rock quip. And that's exactly what I got. Um, so I was, I, I really enjoyed it. Like you say, it's, it's great that it's under two hours long. It, it, like you see, that, that is so rare nowadays that a movie that costs anything over a hundred million dollars is allowed to be under two hours long. Yeah. It gets in, it gets its story set out, and it just fucking goes. And um, yeah, it, it's got problems, but fuck, you know, it, what it's trying to do, I think it does. It, like you say, there are bits where it does get a little bit where it does toe the line of trying to tug on a heartstring that it hasn't quite fucking strung yet. Uh, and I can I can definitely appreciate that. And those are the bits where when those bits happen, you kind of go in. Do you know what? Don't fuck about that old people. Never met them before. Uh, or I know what the rocks doing. Uh, there's all sorts of bits like that where you know there's great you know. Like the rock stealing a car and then punching a guy in the face. Um, these are the sort of bits I want to see. I want to see Calagagino uh, drive a, a a boat through a building. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a few bits where you're going, well, that's just silly. But it's a disaster movie. They're supposed to be a little bit silly every now and again. And it's like I've seen people bitching in the morning saying, oh, well, wasn't that convenient? It's like, well, if c- these conveniences don't happen, right... Then we don't have a movie. That's that's what happens in movies. There's, yeah. There are conveniences there. There is a really funny moment. You know where um, the the big sort of um, slab of concrete falls on Ewan Grufford and uh, yeah. Alexandra uh, Dada Rio. Uh, yeah. The car. When he walks round to see if he can open the car door at the side of it, he puts his hand on a big bit of concrete that's on the back of the car and it bends. <laughs> I didn't know. That's brilliant. I didn't notice that. I just noticed it and thought, that's (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) Because it bends and you can clearly see that it's foam. Nice. Uh, But that kind of, by that point, I was already going, do you know what? Do you know what's great about this? He's going to run away. (laughs) Yeah. And this movie actually gives us the great, and remember guys, we are all spoilers all of the time. But this movie gives us a an air-punching cheer moment because Ewan Grufford dies in a horrible way and we're going, yes, you twat. But loads of other people die. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's kind of like, I almost, I, I really, I should feel bad for all those other people, but I kind of see them as collateral damage in Ewan Grufford getting his comeuppance. Yeah, I mean, that, that Ewan Grufford bit is interesting, because his character gets a few scenes at the start, and you're kind of thinking, like, when is he going to go bad? He actually seems like an alright guy, yeah. you know, like on the airplane with her, he's, he's just like, look, just a, I just want you to know, I'm not going to try and take the place of your dad. You know, I, I understand... And you two have got a special thing together. That's A-OK by me. You know, and then um, he, he's got, like, they're, they're in his building. And, um, you know, he's, he's nice then as well. And it's like, right, OK, when's he going to be a prick? When's he going to be a prick? And it's like, even when he leaves her, like, to be fair, he looks dazed as fuck. Yeah, they... And he does tell someone. But then they, the thing is, it was almost like they had to do a reshoot because they were just like, we haven't made him enough of a prick. Yeah. So they have to do that bit where um, <laughs> the wave's coming and he chucks that guy out of the way <laughs> so he can cling on to the thing. And it's like, right, 
I'll be honest, I think he's more of a prick for that. Yeah, I, than... do you know what? I, if this comes out and there's like an extended cut with an extra 20 minutes of him just walking around throwing people in front of stuff, I'll be happy. Yeah, I think it kind of needs it. That's the thing, because like, you've got that bit where, you know, um, Carly Gino and The Rock speak to her when they're in the helicopter, and then she's just, she leaves a message saying, like, <laughs> oh, you're dead, because if not, I'm going to fucking kill you. And it's just, like, it's supposed to be a punch the air moment. It's just a bit like, right, yeah, he did leave her. That was a really bad thing. In all fairness... He was shell shocked. He did at that moment. Maybe it's a matter of direction. Ewan Griffin plays that like I don't know, really know where I am. I don't know what's going on. There's there's a girl up there. What what's that? Okay, I'm going to go over there. He play. He doesn't play it like Like he's running away. I'm shitting myself. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost. I, seriously, I wouldn't be surprised if that that bit where he chucks the guy out of the way is a reshoot. Because yeah. you see that, you see him going away, and then that bit, and the next bit's him on the bridge getting squashed. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if that's a reshoot because it, 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 like you say, it doesn't seem like he's being an ass and running away. No, it just yeah. seems like because if they're going to do that. Why not just do that, that he leaves and then just runs away and doesn't get dazed or anything like that? So it does seem like they've maybe taken that idea to go, ah, oh, fuck it, we'll have it so that this happens. We'll have it's it so like, doing that was that. It's almost like they watched it and they were like, fuck, can we get all those extras in to do that again? No, not really. Right, okay. Can we just get a few people and then he can just shock someone then we can just add some CG? Yeah, we can do that. All right, let's do that. (laughs) Are you kidding? We've literally created fucking destruction from CG. We can do anything now. It's like they've artificially made the shit heel stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's kind of not really... That bad. You know, I mean, which is... In a way, it was refreshing, but it kind of would have been nice if he was just... I don't know, a nice stepdad guy who maybe tried to help and then just died like half an hour in or something like that. Yeah. You know, but instead they have to force the fact that The Rock and Carl Gugino are going to get back together. So they've, they've got to do that instead. It, it's, it's, it's either poor direction or poor writing or poor editing. I can't work out what it is. Yeah, it's one of those without question, though. I, I think it was... I, I, I think that was just iffy writing and iffy direction colliding, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, I mean, I, I, getting away from his character, because Christ, we talked about him for a long time and he's not a big part no, of this film. really not. <laughs> what, what I will say as well, I've, I've seen some people criticising the film for the fact that the women characters are basically there to scream or be Bullshit. saved. Yeah, yeah. Utter, 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 utter bandwagony right. fucking bollocks and bullshit. Because... Right. Yeah, the characters actually, two of the characters actually turn around at one point and say, no, we didn't save her, she saved us. Yeah, this is the thing. Carla Cugino gets saved once. Once, yeah. And And then then she's with The Rock, like, the entire time. Yeah, kicking ass and taking names with him. Alexandra Daddario, I will say, one, one slight tangent... It's kind of weird, but it kind of seemed like she was more into the 12-year-old boy than she was into the, his bigger brother. Anyway, <laughs> um, she 
without her, they, those guys, would, those two would have been fucked. Yeah. And they, they say it a number of times. I mean, they kind of actually bang the drum quite loudly in the film that, you know, they should go with her. She knows what she's doing. She knows where to go, where to get supplies from, you know, how to, like the landline thing. You know, she's a resourceful, she's a resourceful young woman. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and yes, she has to be saved at the end. By her dad. By, yeah, by her dad. And that, like, it's pretty, it, again, it's again a fairly banging the drum character arc. But that is what it is. By that time, she has more than done enough to justify herself as a strong, just character. Yeah. Whether it be female or male. She's stronger than most of the male characters. She's stronger than every single male character in this film, apart from The Rock. Yeah. Who, who let's be honest, is the the headlining fucking star yeah, of this yeah. movie. So, yeah, I, I, I saw that and just felt it was a little bit like, oh, come on, stop fucking looking for stuff, you whiny set of bastards. The this same, is it. The same responses I'm having, well, there's people who are going, ah, oh, well, it's not science, it's fuck off. For a yeah, start I mean, off, whenever a movie like this comes out, every fucker with a Twitter account becomes a fucking scientist. I, I, it just, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I, 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 I know. I mean, this film is a seven out of ten for me. It's definitely not shit, but it's not one I'm aching to rewatch or anything like that. I don't think it's a classic. It's, How, yeah. however, it's a shitload better than a lot of people are saying it is. To be fair, it hasn't been absolutely panned. But I, I do think it's getting a lot of short shrift. If this shit was happening in a Fast and Furious film, the same people who were giving it shit would be creaming their pants over it. And also, but, I, I think it, a lot yeah. of people that are giving it shit are people who haven't actually seen it. Seen it and are just yeah. going, oh, the rock in a disaster movie. Uh. Like, seriously? Well, I, mean, this, I, I don't understand why some people don't like people enjoying movies. It's a hmm. fucking bizarre thing. I, I, to be honest, I, you know, yeah, it's not going to be a fucking classic uh, of the of the genre. I had a fucking great time with it, but I like pretty much everybody that's in it. Um, you know, Paul Giamatti is always great in everything. I um, wanted more scenes between him and his gay Asian lover. <laughs> yes. Those two were totally together. Oh, without question, yeah, yeah. That, that was I really, I really liked that. You had that one picture after the Asian guy died of them like hugging each other on some sort of holiday they went to get with together. But it's never, ever, ever addressed. But his reaction at the end, uh, afterwards, I mean, he's just like, no, we need to. I need to get on this because I need to do it for him. Yeah. Like, genuinely, I, I, I actually thought that was all right, you know. I mean, this film is not a a, 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 a a hallmark in the turn of our feelings on sexual politics, both homosexuality and strong female characters. But I think it is a perfectly decent 2015 stab at being fairly universal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and... It's, it's, a, it's a it's a fucking it's a funny one really because I don't I I can't go, I do not understand unless you categorically don't like disaster movies or fun I, I really can't understand why you wouldn't have a good time with this movie. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, 
we're, we're getting ranty, but I like this. This whole collateral damage uh, thing that started after Man of Steel came out. Yeah. You know, and Avengers Age of Ultron fucking pained itself to say, we're evacuating all the normal people so we can have our big fight, don't worry. We're getting rid of all the normal people. In that one bit, even though when the Hulk fought Iron Man, they didn't mention that at all when a fucking building comes down. Gary McConaughey on Twitter mentioned that specifically. Uh, really, he's a really, really good guy on Twitter. He used yeah, to write for Steve Lip Film. He's really, really solid. We've actually got a um, question for him later on as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, he, he mentioned that. That's a really good point. But ever since Man of Steel, people are like, oh, what about the collateral damage? What about the collateral damage? What about the collateral damage of so many other films before Man of Steel? Mm. Why now must this be a point? Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's that whole heightened sense of social injustice, I think it is. It's, it's this, oh, well, you know, well, Think about all the people that died doing that so you can enjoy watching that. What? All of those imaginary people that don't exist. These films are supposed to be cathartic. They're supposed to put you in an, uh, not impossible scenario, but a very far-fetched scenario. And you can get some sort of catharsis such as is is the odd thing that is the human soul. um, Out of watching these people do this and a small select group of them struggle through and live. It just, they're disaster films. Yeah. They are what they are. I've got to... I, I, I just the Man of Steel thing. That was such a weird thing that people suddenly had a problem with it when it was when Man of Steel, and it wasn't just one or two people. It was a shitload of people. Yes, it and was. It, it, was like, it was a fucking movement, practically. Yeah, and 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 you know, before that, people were complaining that you know these things happen. There's no one else around. That's unrealistic. And then straight, and then uh, Man of Steel comes along and does it, and then it's just everybody's got a problem with it. It just, you know, I mean, Jesus Christ, Avengers Assemble, the Shatari come down on New York, God knows how many people they fucking wipe out I, in that. I remember that, I remember people saying, oh yeah, but you do see uh, Cap and Black Widow trying to get people out of those buildings. It's like, yeah, alright, Daredevil just a giant shit on your excuse. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, yeah, there was that, it, it just... It's become one of those things where people are desperate to kind of go that. It's like, do you know what? All right, do you know what? Don't watch it. Yeah, or either that or stop having fun. Yeah, stop watching anything. If you want to watch a film where they are concerned with the minutia of evacuation plans, yeah. make it yeah. and no one will see it. Make it, make it, do it in black and white, take it to Sundance and no one will give a fuck. Yeah. I, it just, it's, I don't know, people people can't have fun anymore. And the, the thing is, San Andreas, like I said, there are faults. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, I, it's, it's, to, yeah, totally, I wish it was either more fun or it was more serious, but I more wish it was more, it, it just embraced the silly. Mm. I, I wish it did do that more, you know, um, and... It, like I say, I mean, it does pad itself out a little bit too much towards the end. And the the, the the older British boyfriend, I could have done that without him. The little kid, yeah, fine. I thought it was good value. The older one, not so much. You know, so, there, I mean, like, Jesus Christ, when he kisses her and she's, like, all into it, it's just like, nah. <laughs> not buying that at all. I, I, like, you, you, you can argue that away with heightened survival emotions. I, 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 I would have got, I, I would have been more okay with, like, 
she's getting changed, and then the little boy is, like, peeking in, and then she spots that he's watching, and she's, like, fucking, and just flashes him a bit of boob or something like that. a wink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, just do that instead. You know, I mean, that, that bit early on when he's just like, I can't wait until I'm 20. Yeah. You know, that, that I mean, feels pretty good. You know, so it's... That's, I mean, it's, it's not perfect, but it is a lot of fun. I say I'm not itching to rewatch it. I'll happily watch it again. Yeah, I, I, I will. I will look forward to it uh, to it arriving on like Sky or, or Netflix or something Netflix, like that. Yeah, so totally. so I, I can watch it again just because I, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and you know, like say partially because of my prediction towards the people that are in it and disaster movies in general. But I had a good time with it, and you know. It, it did exactly what it's in the tin for me, so I'm, yeah. I'm happy. It is a definitely not shit at my end. Definitely should not, not shit. And hey, Kelly Minogue pulls off a roof. Oh, let's just get to that quickly. Right, she's in it for what? A minute of screen time, maybe? Yeah. Possibly in two minutes, and she says only a couple of lines. How could she be that bad? <laughs> yeah, she wasn't great, was it? I did like that line. She was like, Oh, yeah, didn't you have that kid that died in that accident or whatever that line was? I mean, Jesus Christ. She had a kid and she drowned, didn't she? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Even though, to be fair, Ewan Griffith does say earlier on she could be a bit blunt or whatever it was that he said, so it's like, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, but it's... it's, it's... Once she, when, you know, when she dies, you kind of go, oh, fucking glad she died. That, that death was brilliant as well, because, like, you don't, like, she walks out, and then you don't see, like, where she went. And then, like, the camera kind of, like, tracks Scarlett Kajina. By the way, I really like that shot as well. It looked like a one-shot. It was really effective. Um, you know, where it's kind of, like, it's, it kind of zooms into, the, like, the blasted-out, like, remnants of the building. Yeah. And, and then it kind of tracks along. But yeah, she goes out the door, and then it's like following Garlic Gino, and then she goes to look for her, opens the door, and there's just, like, it's just nothing there. Yeah, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was really good. It, it, it was good. It was a death scene without actually showing the death. It, it was glorious. I, I tell you what, I, I could quite easily, when Garlic Gino is climbing up rubble to get to the that point where she can uh, meet up with The Rock, I could quite easily watch two hours of Garlic Gino's perfect ass climbing up stuff. It was fun to see her in a big scale film. It is, and you know what I think helped there is the fact that um, you know I, I don't know how the casting worked, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if, if The Rock had some sort of say in saying, "Look, I want Caligino to do this because they are really good friends in reality in real life," and that kind of added to the the, the pattern that they had with each other and that comfortableness that they had with each other kind of sat quite well with that. I think the fact that they they are quite close in real life, I, I think, helped helped I, along with that. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I mean, like, uh, some people have made a lot of the fact that Alexandra Daddario is only about 14 years younger than The Rock and, and whatnot, but, which is, yeah, all right, that's a fair point, but she, it was great. She, she can pull off 20. Yeah, yeah, easy, easy, easy. any day of the week. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but, like, I mean, Jesus Christ, she was getting fucked by Woody Harrelson in True Detective last yeah, year. Which, and now which, she's, is, which is creepier. Yeah, to be, yeah, actually, I'd agree with that. Um, but, you know, Carla Gugino, it, it's good that it's her and not some woman ten years younger that, like, The Rock has to have sexual chemistry with. I liked that it was a lived-in relationship, yeah. and this is the central dynamic of the film. I, I You know, I, I thought that was, that was cracking. Also, it's the second film in a row that Kylie Minogue has appeared in where she's fallen off a roof. What else was there? Holy Motors. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't twig that. Yeah, it's, it's, that's that's not a fact that came up with myself, but I do think it's a very very fun let's, fact. Let's, let's hope there's a trilogy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> cool. Uh, right, uh, we will. Uh... Oh no! What she should do? She should be in a film. It's kind of like backdraft with roofers, <laughs> and like at, or like the start of Cliffhanger, yeah. where like someone loses their wife, played in a cameo by Kylie Minogue, to a, a, a fatal roofing accident. <laughs> there you go, getting rid of people. Um, so yeah, we're going to play some promos for some uh, podcasts that we know and enjoy, and then we'll come back and do some what we've been watching. <laughs> It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick, the minute shit, you'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. <laughs> Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> And romance. Now he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such an easy prey. Cole Miller presents. You're the problem, you little shit. The Adventures in VHS podcast. Join me, Noel Meller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures of VHS or visit adventuresofvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I've ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I just, just getting confirmation. It's just been, that's the third time though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. So come and share the victory. If you could any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Cool, Ian, do you want to fire us from what we've been watching at these guys? Yeah, man, so um, today I finished off a rewatch of Reservoir Dogs. Um, so I'm kind of like going to slowly go through Tarantino's back catalogue before the, uh, the, uh, the Hateful Eight. Um, and uh, yeah, Reservoir Dogs. It's the first time I've watched a Tarantino film and I actually thought this is actually quite dated, which is weird, because... You go to Tarantino and you just feel like it's fresh, it's kind of like a young voice of cinema and whatnot. You watch Reservoir Dogs. If Reservoir Dogs came out today, Twitter would go mental. <laughs> yeah. Jungle Bunny. Yeah. Nigger. Or you've got all that black sperm in you. Yeah. You know. It, I was... it is, it, I mean, 
it, it, the thing is, those kind of bits still go on in Tarantino movies, but they they feel in place in in all of the other movies. Whereas in this, fucking don't even have a black character, is there? Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, you've got the um, the the cop mate of Tim Ross. That's it, Garth. Yeah, um, but you know, it's a bit. I could see. I could kind of see why people would have a problem with with Tarantino's dialogue. I don't know why. I ne- it never it never ever popped up at me before, but it was a, a bit of a light bulb moment this time round. Um, I mean, Reservoir Dogs is great. Mm. It is a great film. And one thing that I I did notice this time around, which again I've never noticed. I watched this film I don't know how many times, but you know the the scene where Freddie's coming up with uh, uh, Freddie's being taught the story and then he's kind of like yeah. rehearsing the story and then he tells the story yeah. and then you've got the story within the story and then in the story within the story where it's Tim Roth in the bathroom with the, um, the county sheriffs and the and the, and the dog hmm. you've got one of the county sheriffs telling the other ones a story as well yeah and it's just like it's it's either. Tim Roth is actually telling him, oh, and he was talking about this story where blah, 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 blah. Or it just shows that Tim Roth's, like, methodology, his character is so in-depth with this shit that he's even concocted a story within the story to give the whole thing um, more uh, a more real feeling. Like, he's he's kind of training himself in acting. Yeah. And it's just so, detailed. So, like, if anybody says, oh, what story what are they, they talking about? And he yeah. can say what they're talking about. Yeah. I mean the detail. I mean the detail there in in the writing and in the structure of the screenplay. It's so fucking good. It is so good. Um, and I mean you know this. I mean the seminal scenes are are still amazing, and I love that Tarantino only gives himself one major bit of dialogue, but it's one of the most memorable speeches of the entire film. You know, what I mean, it's, that's fucking Tarantino. Um, yeah, that, that literally is is probably lifted out of a Tarantino just having a conversation with somebody. Kind of. Oh, thing. you know, he was smoking weed and he came up with it one day, yeah. just chatting to someone, you know, and, and he just kind of extrapolated on it. So yeah, I mean that. that I mean, Reservoir Dogs. It's it's, um, I mean, it's one of the great debut films, hmm. but it, that that stuff does rankle a bit, I think, now, and it's going to be re- really interesting to see, you know, when, like, Lottie's old enough to watch it, if she does watch it, and I hope she does, what she would think of that language then. You know, I, I mean, like, already Twitter gets up in arms about everything. It, I mean, it would have been fascinating to see social media around then, because it would have been the push-pull of the, the, the kind of the brilliance of the filmmaking versus... The questionable... Um, the, the, the questionable dialogue. Dialogue, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's often the thing that's kind of been levelled at, uh, at Tarantino, but he'd, he'd become, like you say, he'd become established and um, incredibly well thought of before social media kind of became a, a thing, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, the thing is, I mean, like, even with Pulp Fiction, already he's kind of progressing a bit, you know, I mean, obviously with Samuel L. Jackson's character and, you know, bon, um, Bonnie being black, you know, which isn't really actually, like, mentioned as, uh, mentioned or anything. You just, um, there's that kind of, like, dreams, uh, kind of, uh, hypothetical dream sequence of Bonnie coming home and seeing all the stuff, you know. So it's like thing, things like that. Uh, I, I do think he he progresses, but I in this time I was a bit like, geez, fucking hell, because it's it's literally it's that one bit where like he says, oh, I'd make you my bitch or something, and then they start fighting, and then um, 
he's like, oh, do you see that mouth he's got on him, Daddy? Now it's all that black sperm up in him, and you know, you're talking like a jungle bunny. It's wow. Yeah, it is. It is very much. It's, I don't know, you don't want to say it's a different time, because it, it, it's never should have been acceptable, but it, it's kind of a, I don't know, there's, there's a, it's, it, it's Tarantino getting caught up in a little, thing, a little bit of his own kind of hoover and everything, he, he, he just, he just gets a little bit carried away and there's no way going, no. It's one of those things, I mean, my, my wife's dad still refers to gay people as pufters and stuff like that, you know, and he doesn't mean it in a, in a in a bad sense, but it it's just it's what he's used to. It's not something he's fully comfortable with. I mean, he's an awful lot more uh, liberal than I think a lot of like wives' dads are, you know. Uh, but um, from like, back to the generation and whatnot. But it's just it was it was more acceptable back then. And you know, Reservoir Dogs it's over twenty years old now, and you watch it, and it doesn't. The filmmaking doesn't feel dated, and the characters don't feel dated. What does feel dated? Occasionally the dialogue, and uh, Eddie's car phone. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and I will also say as well, Chris Penn, not the best actor in the world. Um, I think he, if there's anybody in the film that slightly lets the side down, I think it's him. There's a bit at the end where he's, uh, he's basically caught, um, uh, um, Oh fuck! The, the big guy's coming. I can't remember his name. Um, but he's saying like, "I'll send Ross a cop," and then Harvey Keitel's, "No, he's not." And they're pointing guns at each other. And and Chris Penn's just like, you know, this like uh, Vic Vega. He did time for us, you know. And now you're telling me that he's a cop, and he kind of like goes off at Harvey Keitel. And it's a bit like he's wide-eyed and he's kind of like shouting like he's spitting. And it's a bit. That's a bit acty. <laughs> and it's kind of taken me out of this moment. So, I mean, basically, I'm I'm at a nine out of ten with Reservoir Dogs now. Previous watches, I would have been a ten out of ten. I am at a nine. I don't anticipate it ever going any lower. But I am there now. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, it's a fucking great movie. Uh... It's a great. It's a great. Film, yeah, it is. It is just one when I think it's going to be interesting how it's how stuff like that is viewed in the fullness of time. That's it, you know. What's that film now? Twenty three years old, is Something it? Like that, yeah, yeah. nineteen ninety two. I think so, it was. It came yeah. out. Um, so, and I think it, it kind of almost gets a little bit kind of lost in people going back to look at it because of the fact that, you know, often people go back to Pulp Fiction to look at that rather than rather than there. I think you often get that. Okay, so, uh, I've been watching, oh, last night. I've been meaning to watch this for fucking ages and, uh, suddenly got the flash to do it last night. Netflix US, it's in HD. The Running Man. Netflix US? Yeah. Is it in HD? Yeah. Oh, nice. That doesn't look too bad, actually. It looks alright. Because there isn't a, a UK um, Blu-ray of that um, film. So every time I've watched it over the past couple of years, it, it's always been on the UK DVD, which looks like shit. Yeah, no, it's alright. And the, the, the kind of the studio logos and whatnot at the start look a bit rough. But, um, but yeah, no, no, it looks it looks pretty good, actually. It's, uh, I think it's only in uh, two-channel stereo, but you can't have everything. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, The Running Man. Um, I haven't watched this for like probably twenty years. 
it's one of my it's one of my I'm a little bit tired and a little bit drunk movies. I can see that. So I watched um, quite a bit. I mean, it's just it's uh, it's mental. Um, I mean, first off, I love how kind of quickly it gets into it. Like the first scene is literally the inciting incident that lands Arnold Schwarzenegger in prison. But I love. That, like, he's obviously been working for the government for years. And it's like, is it just the first time that he's been told to massacre everyone? And he's just like, no, I won't do it. These are innocent people down there. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, wow, re- really? Everybody else seems really comfortable with this. Yeah, or, or, is, or is it just the, 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 that's the fucking, it's just a straw that brought the camels back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you never really get anything, it, or like anything into that. But, um, yeah, it's like, yeah, all right, whatever, I suppose. But, um, I mean, it's always fun to see Yafet Koto in a skin-tight tracksuit. <laughs> uh, I love, I love that he's just properly got a belly. Um, I mean, some of the puns are brutal. I mean, some of the some of the puns are really, 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 really bad. Um, I mean, I don't know. He had to split. I suppose is pretty good. But um, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I mean, Dynamo has a, a suit made of lights that apparently, if you just chucked a cup of water at him, he'd probably fry. Um, <laughs> I mean, Richard Dawson is the shit. He is so good in this film. Like, I, I the, the bit where he's walking along and um, he, he kind of slips up and the janitor, <laughs> and the janitor's there, and he's like, what's your name? Oh, my name's Dawson. Yeah, don't worry about it, Dawson. He's like, if that dickhead's still working here tomorrow, you're going to be mopping the floors or something like that. It's so good. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of shonky. Um, and... I, I, the, but, you know, you've got the image of a Japanese man in full-on hockey gear slamming, dan- uh, like, dangerous ice hockey pucks at people. You know, there's, there's there are there are, there are are fringe benefits to this film. Maria Conchita Alonso is a good-looking woman. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, the ending's a little bit all over the place. I don't... I, I kind of wanted the confrontation to be a bit bigger. I like the fact that Sven, uh, whatever his name is, he comes along and then um, uh, Richard Dawson's like, do you want to have a conversation with Sven? And then Sven's just like, I need to go buy some more steroids. And then just walks off and then leaves out on Schwarzenegger to it. It's like, it's, uh, it's so good. And I, I mean, again, I was waiting for Jesse the Bonnie Ventura to turn up again. And then he just kind of doesn't. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger pushes him out of the way at one point, and that's about it. Yeah. So uh, it's it, it's shonky, but it was a Sunday. I was having a beer. Lottie had been hard work this weekend, and she was asleep. So it was just like, Don's going to go and like do some photo editing. It's the thing she likes to do. I'm going to watch a film. I'm going to watch The Running Man. This is going to be fun. Yeah, it, some of the Jesse the Body Ventura, the little infomercial bits he does. Oh god, the bit glorious thick glass. Yeah, and it's just like it's like panning from the screen. He just keeps walking along, just saying stuff, and then laughing oh, and walking off. And there's one bit where he's upside down. <laughs> oh god, and also some of the ads as well. I mean, it's kind of like the retarded version of RoboCop, but I yeah. did like I did like climbing for dollars. <laughs> Um, so, you know, so I mean, it's um, it's, it's a film with its charms. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. You know, and um, I, I, Richard Dawson's death is amazing as well. 
Uh, when he gets like shunted down the tube and then he just flies off into that sign of him and explodes. <laughs> it's about to explode. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense because it's like, how does that not happen every time then? I don't understand. Um, but I, I, I don't know. What did Arnold Schwarzenegger think was going to happen when he when he did that as well? It's just like, because Arnold Schwarzenegger just goes down there and then like a load of people just kind of jeer at him. I think maybe, I don't know, I don't know. I, think, I, think, like, I actually kind of thought it was going to be a bunch of hobos who just going to rattle, crowd around him and murder him or something, but it's like, no, he's just going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It, 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 it can be explained away with a simple, it's a Schwarzenegger movie from Yeah, the yeah, totally, totally. I don't know. It's it's fun, man. I mean, it, it was kind of, it's kind of interesting how Schwarzenegger just starred in a load of kind of like smart, dumb sci-fi in the 80s. Yeah. It is, and he did so many just entertaining movies around that time. It really is a role that he was on. Totally, man. But yeah, that's all I've got to say about The Running Man. It's, it, it is a lot of fun. But yeah, go on, dude, you shoot with a couple. I'll, I'll shoot off a couple then, yeah. Uh, first one, watch, I'll, I, I'm pretty much going to do it in the order of what, how I watch them as well. Um, Return to Sender. Uh, the, uh, okay, yeah. yeah. The, the continuing adventures of Rosamund Pike is a massive bitch. Um, I'm not giving too much away, but the story uh, is uh, Rosamund Pike plays a nurse who, the best way I can describe it is she's a little bit uppity. Um, right. Where you know she Rosamund Pike then yeah she, yeah she seems to be a little bit perfect at everything um, ah, Rosamund Pike then yeah exactly um, and so so she's she's got all that going on everything seems to be perfect um, her friends set her up uh, on a blind date um, the a guy for the blind date turns up. Um, and what are you doing? Well, no, it's not actually the guy from the blind date. It's somebody else, and she gets raped. And it's quite a quite a horrible rape scene. It's not graphic in the sexual context of the the rape scene, but in terms of the way it's done, uh, she turned out Becky and said, "That's one of the fucking nastiest rape scenes I've seen in years." Um, it, it's it, it's quite unnerving uh, in the way it's done. Uh, and then from there, her, you know, a nurse, and she's about to become a surgery nurse, but then she kind of, she can't, she gets a little bit of shakes and things like that, and she starts getting a bit nervous, and the, the perfectness that she had before is kind of gone a little bit. Um, and so she she sees it, that what she wants to do now is she wants to get in touch with the, um, the guy who raped who's now in prison, and kind of see him and she kind of starts seeing him and they build a kind of a friendship but almost like a relationship uh, where essentially when he gets out she has him doing odd jobs for her um, and things kind of move from there uh, but he knows who she is oh no they know they are yeah they know who each other is yeah right absolutely um and, you know, it's kind of quite unsettling as things happen, but she goes from being, you know, pre-rape to being a, um, all perfect, but everyone seems to get on with her quite well, but, you know, she does seem to have a little bit of a, she seems like she's on the cusp of tipping over into just being a bitch, but she kind of rides, what is it, and she's just slightly, she's just got some kind of affectations towards her. Uh, like, she can only use pens, she won't use anyone else's pen. She'll only use her pen, and she won't let anybody else touch her pen. 
there's that. Whereas post rate when she sort of sort of you know things are going a little bit wrong for her and she she can't maintain that that perfectness. She starts just being an outright bitch. Like, she seems to have an altercation where the girl in the dry cleaners doesn't seem to like her and seems to like toying with her. And pre-rape, she can kind of, you know, get around it and kind of just gloss over it. Whereas post-rape, there's a great bit where she goes in and she's she picks up the, I think I was saying, oh, you need to give me, uh, you need to pay for it. And she's like, I've already paid for it. And she's like, well, yeah, but you know, you need to give me those things back until you can show me a receipt. And she's like, I won't give the things back, but I will show you the receipt. And she's looking for the receipt as another customer saying, oh, you know, can, can you hurry up because you know, I'm in a rush. And she's getting increasingly annoyed. And then the, the girl behind the counter is played by Scout Taylor Thompson. is just saying, you know, like, can you give me the goods back? Can you give me the goods back before, you know, you give me the receipt? And then she just fucking loses her shit. Yeah. And slams the receipt and goes, There, now you owe me an apology. And by the way, what the hell are you wearing? How can you be that fat and that thin at the same time? <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a glorious insult. And then, it's wow. There's great moments where, like, things happen and people will say stuff. And then, you won't even, you can barely even notice she's doing it. But, People will be talking, and she'll just be pulling this face of, ah, fuck you. In, but, like, not, like, centre screen, and nothing's, like, it, it isn't, you, the camera isn't trying to get you to see it. It's just she'll pull a face. Like, someone will go, oh, here's a picture of uh, of of the kids at Blah, and she'll just fucking walk off and, and just pull this face of, oh, fucking shit. And she just descends in a being such a fucking bitch <laughs> and there's just stuff that she does that are just glorious it's about 90 odd minutes 95 minutes and for Rosamund Pike's performance it is worth watching alone um, it's by no means perfect but it is a fucking boatload of fun uh, I enjoyed the shit out of it yeah it sounds that, like it Rosamund Pike is I, like you were saying about uh, there should be a trilogy of Kylie Minogue falls off buildings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There should be a third. Rosamund Pike is a massive bitch film to mm. go with Gone Girl, this, and then another one. And it would be perfect. It'd be a trilogy I would just watch over and over and over again. It doesn't, it isn't, you know, hindered by the fact that she's incredibly nice to look at as well. You you have me intrigued. Yeah, it, it, it is worth watching uh, just for just for her performance alone. Uh, Shiloh Fernandez, who plays uh, the gentleman who uh, rapes her, uh, is also really good in it. Um, he's very entertaining, and Nick Nolte as the grumpy dad is is really quite entertaining. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I, I I recommend giving it a go. Uh, onto a film that I would not recommend giving a go. Uh, I watched, because cause Isla wanted to watch it, and it's a 12 eh? Uh mm. and I, you know, she's only, she's 11 in a few weeks, but, you know, 12A, I could take it to the cinema to see it. Uh, the Duff, or the D-U-F-F. Uh, um, designated Ugly Fat Friend, is that right? It is indeed right. And yeah. I'm just noticing now, this is produced by McGee, which fucking, well, that kind of, of makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, starring uh, Maya Whitman, uh, Robbie Almel and Bella Thorne, uh, and Ken Yong. 
uh, essentially you've got a girl who has two really hot friends and uh, she's not as hot as them. Then has it pointed out to her uh, by the you know the captain of the football team and the hottest guy in the school who happens to be her neighbour and they were friends when they were kids so they still kind of have a a relationship where they still get on really well and he's not your average um, he's your average jock and everything like that but he also comes across as being actually really you know he's a bit of a douchebag but he's actually quite a nice guy and he's aware that he's a douchebag um who accidentally points out to her at a party that she is her two, you know, friends, Duff. And then basically goes off and saying, you know, no, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be ugly or fat. It's just that you're not as hot as them and people will use you as a conduit to get to them. So they will talk to you to get information about them or to get you to pass on information to you. And points out different Duffs around the what is it. And you get all of that. Um, this is a 12A. And it literally is all about sex. That is it. And that's it. I've no issue with Isabel watching 12 A's. But the the sexual language uh, and the sexual leanings of this film, the sexual politics of this film, are a 15. I don't care what the fuck anybody says. This movie should have been a 15. Um... There are so many kind of just outward, you know, like constant use of the words, I would totally slam her, or I wish I was slamming her. It's so much of that. Um, But because they say slamming as opposed to... uh, Yeah, it's all of that. There's a lot of use of the word shit um, in this movie as well. Um, Which I knew you were allowed to use in in, in 12 A's, but I didn't think it was allowed to be as prevalent as it is in this particular 12 A. Um, It is, as a film, it is... I mean, I'm having a look here, actually. BBFC, um, they they, they, um, actually, the distributor got advice on how to get a 12 A. Um, The film was originally seen for advice at which stage the company was advised it was likely to receive a 15 classification, but that their preferred 12A could be achieved by removing a scene involving strong sex references. When the film was submitted for formal classification, the sequence had been removed and the film was classified 12A. But it sounds like there's already quite a lot of strong sexual references anyway. Yeah, yeah, there is quite a lot, yeah. It is 101 minutes, this movie. And I'm not joking, it felt like I had watched an entire series of a TV show. And probably not like a 12-episode TV show, like a 24-episode TV show. Um, the the lead guy uh, is actually really quite entertaining. Um, without him, this would be an absolute... I, I would have been punching myself in the face just so I wouldn't have had to continue watching it. Uh, I mean, this is the kind of shite that's usually really up your street as it well, is isn't it? It's the kind of shite that is usually up my street. It, yeah. there, there is not one, there is two scenes of different people essentially listing social media. So where, where, okay. the, where Mayor Whitman uh, says, ah, oh, does something to the two friends when she's when she's telling them that she's realised she's their duff and they're unaware of this. And then what, she does something with the phone. And one of them looks and goes, oh my God, did you just unfriend me? And she's like, yeah. And now I'm following you on Twitter. And now I'm, I'm taking off my Pinterest list. And she literally just goes through all of these. And then a scene about, not, not much later, five minutes later, is two teachers essentially doing the same thing. Mm. 
and it's like it is aching so badly. Uh, you know the scene. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's been a while since I watched it, but Easy A. There's a scene where um, it, it, there's a text messaging thing that goes from where she says something to somebody, and then somebody texts it, and we see the text pinging as she's walking down, and it gets to the end of the thing, and pretty much everybody's sort of known by this text thing. That happens, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, Easy so. A. Yeah, the exact same thing happens in the Duff. The exact same thing. Mm. It is painfully bad. I, I, I painfully bad. Badly written, badly acted at times. The politics in it are just fucking awful. It's not funny. It's not fun. It is just terrible. Yeah, I wasn't going to watch it anyway, no. and that's just fir- firmed me up, frankly. So yep. good work. Go on then, uh, have you got any more to add to your list of what you've been watching? Uh, yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, considering we only recorded on Thursday, we're doing quite well here, aren't we? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've, only got, I've only got two others anyway. I mean, I, I, I rewatched watched Hero 6, I uh, watched it with Donna, and um, I, that, that, I, I really rate that film, I think it's great. Um, and that's about all I've got to say on Hero 6, because we've already done a full review in the past. Um, and I, re- I, I rewatched From Russia With Love. Ah. Uh, the second part in my what I said was weekly series, but I didn't put one out last week, so oops. Um, uh, uh, bondage, Bond through the ages series. Um, yeah, I really, really like From Russia with Love. Um, I actually think it's a, a, a far more complete Bond film than Doctor No is. It, um, it, it's already very confident. The first fifteen minutes don't actually have Bond himself in it at all. There's someone pretending to be Bond in the first fifteen minutes, but not Bond. Instead, it spends time setting up Spectre. And uh, I like that it has the confidence to actually do that. Um, I, it, the film is not, uh, it, again, is not perfect. Uh, the sexual politics rear their head again. Uh, there is a scene where Bond is uh, entertained by uh, basically watching two Turkish women fight over a man. And then afterwards, Bond has to pick the winner. And he appears to pick the winner by fucking both of them. Um <laughs> Which is uh, which is quite something, uh, but also the the Bond girl in this, Daniela Bianchi, who is a very very good looking woman. Um, basically, she for those who haven't seen it, basically she's employed by Spectre, but she thinks she's working for uh, the Russian government uh, to essentially kind of seduce Bond um, uh, so that they can. Um, yeah, well, yeah, to seduce Bond, basically. And uh, so Lecter can get this uh, uh, decoding machine, which is essentially the Enigma machine, but it's called a Lecter here. Um, and, uh, yeah, she basically it, it seduces Bond and then just kind of falls in love with him straight away. It's basically the force of his cock makes her defect. <laughs> and it is troublesome. Um, but, again, it is what it is. This film is 50 years old. Um, Shit, hell, is it 50 years old? Yeah, so, you know, it, it, it I mean, it's not right, um, and she, she, do, she really does get fuck all to do, and, uh, it's, I mean, basically, she's either essentially asking Bond to fuck her, or she's feeling woozy. That's basically all she does in the entire film, it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> um, but, Robert Shaw is amazing 
as uh, Red Grant, who only gets like about 10, 15 minutes where he's majorly on screen. For, for the most of the film, he's kind of just like a lurking shadow kind of stalking Bond. But then he's he's got a couple of great tension-filled dialogue scenes that you don't get that often with, with Bond, really, where Bond doesn't know he's a bad guy. Bond thinks he's just another agent who's, uh, who's helping him out. Um, and, and their, their conversation's great. It also is brilliant. Bond figures out that he's not who he says he is because he has red wine with fish. <laughs> you know, which, which, is, which is just yeah. the best. Yeah. Bit, I mean, it's brilliant. Like, he orders the red wine and then there's a shot of Bond looking at him a bit askew and it's like Bond's just figuring him out <laughs> it's just it's like that's fair enough you know that's Bond <laughs> um, uh, yeah so I mean you, the, the thing is he got the sequence with Red, with Red Grant in the fight which is great and then the film goes on again for about another 20-25 minutes and it's a bit okay don't really need these chases now um, but it's also got a mad Russian woman trying to stab Bond with her shoe so <laughs> It's it's and also it's got one of the best Bond supporting characters. Um, uh, Karen Bay is the name uh, the name of the, the character, and he's basically like the Turkish embassy head that Bond kind of hooks up with, and um, he he has a great arc. He has some great lines. There's also a fucking brilliant, bizarre pun in this film. Um, Bond, well, Karen Bay assassinates someone who was crawling out of a window and on the building there's a like a poster for an Anita Ekberg film yeah and her mouth is like where the window opens and then he comes out the window Karen Bay shoots him and then Bond says she should have kept her mouth shut and it's just like yeah (laughs) it's just again sexual politics a little bit uh, but it's also quite clever um, so it's um, I, I, I really like From Russia With Love but I would I, I 100% understand why some people might watch it and go that is the most misogynist thing I've ever seen in my life <laughs> but it kind of it, it kind of is what it is and it's it's a guilty a very very guilty pleasure and it's very much of its time but you know what in the main film Bond fucks a lesbian until she turns straight. So it's, you know... Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like you say, you have a lot of fun with sexual politics during this... Uh, <laughs> in this kind of section that you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. There's Roger Moore's first film. Like, he basically fakes a virgin into losing her virginity uh, by playing a card trick on her. It's just... it's. <laughs> It kind of carries on, man. It's it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. It feels wrong, but you like it. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing. It's just like it, it's just it's Bond, yeah. and like I I, I I can totally see why people have trouble with it, and I feel bad that I don't have more of a problem with it. <laughs> but it's Bond. It's like fifty years old. It's it, I don't know. It's 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 the film mate. It's the film equivalent of a drunk uncle who says a lot of shit that is inappropriate, but it's kind of funny. Yeah, but none of, none of it's meant in a nasty way. No, I don't think. You know, <laughs> it does fuck a lesbian until she turns straight, mind. Yeah, but he's Bond. 
Yeah. <laughs> Anything else, Ian? I mean, the thing is, that virgin that he fucks as well, he makes her lose psychic powers by fucking her. <laughs> I mean, like, so Live and Let Die is mental. I'm actually quite looking forward to rewatching that one, but oh my god. I've not seen anyway, I'm, in a long, long, long oh time. Oh my god. I like. Again, living like die, I quite like it. It's like it's the it's the ghetto bond, and it's amazing <laughs> and terrible in equal measure. Anyway, uh, Mark, I'm I'm done. Go on. Right, I I have, I have one to add to this. Uh, I watched Basic Instinct on Saturday night because I I got this steelbook through, uh, which is a really nice looking steelbook to be honest. Um, and so I gave that out I watched Saturday. It's been a few years since I watched it, um, and I, as I've said before, I have. I, 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 huge liking for uh, erotic thrillers, especially early 90s erotic thrillers, and this is like the fucking daddy of them all. Um, Michael Douglas, when he was you know, arguably the biggest movie star in the world at the time, uh, and Sharon Stone kind of announcing herself, um, you know, as this fucking star that she became. Um, It's... But also, well, it's it's a Paul Verhoeven film that starts out, its opening scene is a woman stabbing somebody repeatedly in the face and chest with an ice pick while fucking him. It's incredibly graphic, both sexually and violence-wise as well. Um, It is graphic across everything. I like its utter ridiculousness. I like the fact that essentially it is this... Um, noirish melodrama uh, that also has all of these erotic sort of thriller elements and the ridiculousness of it where it's the who done it well they all could have done it um, and they're all terrible people uh, it is a great moment in it uh, it is it's quite starting to realise that literally this film could not be made now and it's not that the the violence won't be allowed or the sexual violence won't be allowed or anything like that or you wouldn't get a big you know star doing this kind of type of movie or they don't make R-rated movies like this anymore. None of that. It's just that it would be so easy to work out what was going on with computers. <laughs> Mm. Um, and so you wouldn't be able to get away with it I mean I'm guessing people who are listening have seen uh, Basic Instinct if you haven't the story is uh, a man is found killed uh, his girlfriend is uh, who's played by Sharon Stone Catherine Jamel is the lead suspect it makes it even worse that the uh, man who is killed um, happens to be a uh, retired rock star and he's murdered with an ice pick and oops Sharon Stone plays Catherine Trammell, who is independently wealthy and also a novelist, and in one of her novels, a retired rock star is stabbed to death with an ice pick. And then it kind of follows down that train of, you know, is she, do, has she done it, has she not? And then all these, these other things come in, and she starts using Michael Douglas, who happens to be investigating the this murder, uh, as the kind of muse for her next book uh, which is about a detective uh, who's a bit of a bad detective also uh, and runs through all that uh, it's, it absolutely still holds up, it's just over two hours long but it's entertaining throughout there's some fucking great performances from Douglas Stone, uh, James Horn is brilliant as the mad as batshit but um, therapist uh, and then other bits as the film goes along but there's the, the the scene that everyone remembers it for with the uncrossing of the legs and the interrogation scene it is magnificent in the way that 
is you've got, I think, one, two, three, four, five guys in a room, and Sharon Stone sat on a chair, all in white, and they're throwing all these questions at her, and there's all these zooms, and the zooms in, zooms out, and then, you know, it's quite an aggressive, you know, them, but she is completely absolutely in control of all of this situation where she has got everybody just in the palm of their hand and it is wonderfully directed. Mm. Um, I really, really do love this film. It is so... Everything about that early 90s just thrown out there. To give an example, Sharon Stone won the MTV Movie Award for Best Female Performance in this movie in 1992. And this is a movie where she appears for quite a lot of it in the nude and she won an MTV Movie Award for it. Yeah. That is insane. Uh, yeah, it, it, that, that thing was a proper cultural touchstone, though, oh, wasn't it? At the yeah. time, you know, and it, you know, you're talking about an, an R-rated, an, an R-rated movie that is a proper R-rated movie. It is violent. It is incredible. You know, there are a lot of sex scenes, and they are quite graphic. Um, you know, both stars. You see their everything they have to offer, um, and. It cost like nearly fifty million, which is a lot for a movie of that type in the early nineties. Um, but it made like near four hundred million dollars, which for you know a movie that only people over the age of eighteen can go and see is a fucking decent chunk of change. Oh god, yeah, back in the time, especially. Yeah, I mean, even it, out, that'd be good. Yeah, you know, movies like this, you know, fuck people were amazed. Uh, well, not amazed, but you know, it was a huge thing that um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, made the money it made. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey is, is, is so incredibly tame in comparison to this movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you've not seen it in a while, you know, I would absolutely recommend people go back and give it a rewatch because it, it, it's not just that movie where we see uh, Sharon Stone's lady parts. It is also a really fucking great early nineties neo noir movie as well. Nice. Uh, and other than that, I, I am done. Uh, so we do have uh, we do have a few questions this week, actually. Uh, yeah, go on. Man. I shall get to them. Uh, first one from Gary McConaughey that we said earlier. Um, he says, "Has there ever been a more inappropriate line of dialogue akin to the Rock's second bass line?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I laughed. I laughed. Um, but yeah, totally. It's like, why is he cracking a joke then? Yeah. Um, well, I think it, it, I think it, it, his training actually his training uh, would say that occasionally in those moments you are supposed to kind oh, of maybe crack some light jokes yeah, okay. to, to kind of to you know bring the person down and make them feel a little bit more relaxed and more comfortable. You know, laughter is a is a powerful medicine. There you go, Gary. What do you have to say to that? Uh, eh? uh, yes, I have a, a more inappropriate. Uh, literally, if you talk about inappropriate, the entire movie, the duff. Fair enough. Uh, uh, edge loading uh, on Twitter. Does it smell what the rock cooks? Um, what? Yeah. What? Does it smell what the rock cooked? Sure. Uh, yeah, always. I reckon yeah. what the rock cooks smells like a wonderful blend of pizza and sex. I was thinking steak and jizz. Steak and steak. It's just steak and jizz. We'll take that. It's it's some kind of manly food and fucking. Yeah. 
Rich Kid, Rich J Kid, uh, question for you. Uh, thank you very much for the questions. You give this question pretty much every week. Uh, who from the movie world would you like to be stuck in a disaster movie with? The Rock. The Rock from from that movie is good, but if we'll if we'll say we can't have that. Um, Dennis Quaid, if he was my dad. Dennis Quaid would be a good one. Yeah. Otherwise, like only one person. Yeah. Michael Douglas. I reckon Michael Douglas could, could call a lot of people to get you out of shit. He'd make a call. He'd be like, oh shit, I'm going to get out of this, Michael. And he'd go, let's make a call. Like, you're a really important man, aren't you, Michael? Yeah, Vigo man. Mortensen. I reckon, I reckon, yeah, I reckon he'd go a little bit Daniel Day-Lewis and he'd build something. He'd be like... Yeah, I think we'd be safe. What, what are you doing? He'd be like, oh, I'm just going to build this shelter. Like, oh, what? And he'd build you like, oh, fuck, that's a good shelter, that. So what have you done? Honestly, yeah, just watch you build a shelter. That was yeah, it. Yeah, it, yeah. it was just, it was great. Oh, you've written I've a poem. Enjoyed, I've enjoyed watching you build this shelter. You've written a poem about building the shelter. Yeah, do you want to hear it? Not really, no. But, bravo. Uh, Rambo, why not? Rambo, Rambo is literally yeah, the answer to everything. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Chris Byrne at Cinematronics. If you could banish one movie from getting a pointless remake, what would it be? Also, flip side to that question, what film would you have remade and why? Okay, so pointless remake to banish. Breakfast Club. What, are we... Are these actual ones oh. that exist or hypotheticals? Hypothet- oh, I'm not actually sure. Actually, I, I thought I read it as that, but you might be right. From, getting, like, a, from getting a pointless remake. Oh, from getting a pointless remake. Yeah. So a film... Vertigo. I could see someone trying to buddy remake Vertigo one day. Ooh, yeah, I could actually, yeah, as well, yeah. Like, because... It's like one of those ones where the name recognition is maybe big enough that they could actually get some, like, brand awareness out of it. But, that like, one that I could see some fucking music video director thinking they could out Hitchcock Hitchcock That's and go it. horribly wrong. The only reason to remake something like Vertigo is you think you could make it better. And you can't, so don't. Whereas I mean, this is... Psycho was it, it, the, the idea that... It's the thing, like, you know, like, Ben Affleck's supposed to be doing David Fincher's directed... Sorry about that. Oh, no, so we had lost you a bit there. We had, we had Ben Affleck, David Fitch, and then we lost it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Ben Affleck, David, David Fitch, Strangers on a Train remake. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's interesting. That's interesting really, because of the people making it. Written by Gillian Finn, directed by David Fincher, and it's going to be about, like, uh, an actor on his way to the Oscars or something. And, I mean, like, that sounds like it could be... It could actually genuinely be interesting. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was like, they were talking about a remake of The Birds for fucking years, and like Naomi Watts was attached to that for <laughs> ages. Yeah. And then, like, nothing ever happened with that. And it's, I could just, I could see someone trying to do Vertigo one day. It's like, we'll just, it's a matter of time until Back to the Future. You, I, I don't think that'll be a remake. I think that'll be a a new one where Marty's son ends up running in. Uh, Doc Brown comes back to get Marty and gets his son instead of something like that. It was. Give it, te- 
give it ten years, I think we'll have another Back to the Future of some sort. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see that without question. Uh, yeah, mine would be Breakfast Club just because that just it, it encapsulated a timepiece uh, of those characters, and they've been redone. It's been referenced so much to do a remake would just be a little bit like it would simply there's there's no reason to do it other than you'd want to introduce modern technology into it and it's just do you know what no it works that they were just in that moment for that day yeah 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 um what film would you like to get a remake though that's not our one fuck this would be like a film that had a good premise but I'm a fan of I used to answer Total Recall to this, and then what, what, what fucking happened there? Oh, God, yeah, Jesus yeah, Punch me in the dick, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, there's a. I can't what it's called. There's. There's a British film, uh, a horror film, and I can't remember fuck for the life of what it's called. Made in the 50s, I think it was. Uh, I might even be in the 40s. Uh, and it's all set at a haunted um, bed and breakfast in Wales, and it, it's a really fucking entertaining movie. I can't. That's how Paradiso. I can't remember the life. I'm going to have to try and find out what it's called. But I remember watching it, thinking this film is really entertaining, and it would actually make if somebody with proper talent remade it, it would be a really entertaining really fucking entertaining film uh, but I can't have like or, do you know what this might sound controversial I love the original film I'd be really interested to see a modern day retelling of this The Long Good Friday no I could I could absolutely see that yeah I could. that would be fucking fascinating it would be I, that, that, that could, the thing is remakes the, the, the people who say oh there's certain films where you know they have to be sacred and things like that and I agree to an extent with it but not not at, with with absolution um, because there's there's certain points where it's just like I mean for instance First Blood is one of my favourite movies of all time I wouldn't have a problem with somebody remaking that because uh, The Last Days of Goldwyn uh, by the way is the, the film I was thinking of um, where it, it, it's I've got the original and if, if somebody wanted to do a, a, an interesting you know counter version of it now then I, I, I could I could get behind that unless it, it came out that it was because there was at one point a muted kind of we, we were looking at possibly doing a, a, a you know a First Blood remake and it was going to uh, be Gerard Butler playing Oh, God. Um, and I was like, yeah, all right, now I'm not on board on that one. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I think given the right the right kind of guidance, that sort of thing could work. So they're not always terrible. So Long and Friday, that, that could work given the right setting, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know, I just, the, the idea of a businessman, like, kind of like coming up against a force that, he has no real control over and you know it's it's more kind of bad luck than anything else for him specifically and I mean just oh god the ending of The Long Good Friday has got to be one of the best endings of all time it's a it's one of those funny films The Long Good Friday that 
it seems to be really highly regarded, but really ridiculously underrated. Yeah, I mean, it just, it's that flick. I've seen it, I think I've only seen it twice, but it's within the, both within the last few years. And that fucking film, it, it just, I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but the ending of that film is like one shot that lasts maybe about a minute, 90 seconds. And it's it's um, Bob Hoskins processing stuff, mm. and it, it is glorious. It's great in that film as well. I mean, he is amazing in that. Yeah, I mean, film. and just it's it is just it is so fucking good. I think I have to watch that at some point this week. Cause I haven't seen it since I lost the Long Good Friday. Um, at the city screen, not how long after the city screen opened, and I think that place has been open about 15 years. Uh, I saw it at the cinema there, and it, it is, I think I got 17, 18 years old. And it is, I remember thinking, that was the, I'd seen it before, but it was on a really bad VHS copy that was recorded off the TV. It recorded off Bravo, um, and it was it was cut to shit. Uh, so yes, yeah, so the last time I watched that was at the cinema, and I remember thinking, this is fucking brilliant. Arrow just put out a new yeah, Spielberg with a brand new yeah. transfer. I think I might have to. I'm, I, I might give it a rewatch, then look at picking that up. How much is that shit on iTunes? Let's have a look. Yeah, um, six ninety nine. Oh, I take a couple of quid off. Yeah. <laughs> what you guys love a fiver? Um, oh, mate. Yeah, four ninety nine. That shit's mine. <laughs> cool, uh, Ian. Uh, what are we gonna cover next week? What film are we doing next week? Um, well, we've got a discussion. Have we? Right, Insidious Chapter Three. Yeah, I like the Insidious films. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Jason Statham is apparently really, really funny in Spy. But. but... A lot of people say that Melissa McCarthy is really, really funny in movies. And I've seen a lot of those movies. And I've... Ah, uh, Christ. She's a she's very fat woman fall down. The thing is, Electric Boogaloo is also out this weekend. And, yeah, it's available... It's on pre-order to buy on iTunes... And I'm wondering if it's going to be available to rent as well. Like, they say it's available on Thursday, weirdly. Ooh, I could be... the I, I, I could be up for doing that. Um, Boogaloo. Pre-order expected 4th of June. But it doesn't, doesn't say anything about Thursday, it being yeah. available to rent. 9.99 to pre-order in HD. That's the question. Do I just drop a tenner and buy it? Right, it's Metrodome, it's Metrodome. What's their usual policy? Um, spring, that was, available they, to rent. that was available to rent as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Right, they only put that out a couple of weeks back. I reckon... We hold off and see what they're doing. If that's available yeah. to rent, we'll do that. If not, we'll discuss. Yeah, I really want to see Spy. <laughs> oh, and you give me shit for the crap I watch. I really... I. I like bridesmaids. I like the heat. I like, I, I I really like the heat, and I thought I'd hate the heat. So you know, I'll I'll have, yeah, I'll, I'll hold my hands up to say that that I'd be willing to give it a go. All right. Well, we'll say I think Electric Boogaloo is going to be available to rent as well. Maybe we should ask Giles. I think it's going to be available to to rent. Assuming it is, we'll do Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Otherwise, 
we're gonna have to flip a coin or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 but I, yeah. If if we do Electra Boogaloo, I'm gonna go see Spy this weekend. If we do, and I'm gonna re- report back. All right. Uh, I'm, I figured across for a rental of Electra Boogaloo there. <laughs> I tell I tell you what I tell you what I mean like are you at all interested in Insidious Three? Uh, I I I am, but I could happily catch it another time. Right. If if Electric Boogaloo is available to rent, we will do Electric Boogaloo. If it is not, we'll do Insidious Three because both of us actually wouldn't mind seeing Insidious Three. Is Insidious Three a fifteen or a twelve there? I think it's a 15. Damn, I was going to take it off because she likes the Insidious movie. Uh, let me have a look. Which is... She can't pass as a 15-year-old to take it, yeah? No, she's fucking tiny. Yeah, fair enough. Alright, let's have a look. She's going away, actually. She's going away on school trip tomorrow. Insidious Chapter 3. 15, strong horror. Yeah, yeah, alright. Yeah, so, yeah, alright, we'll, 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 we'll work it that way, then. Uh-huh. Cool. Uh, right. That. I'm hoping for Electric Boogaloo because I want to watch Spy, I'm sorry. <laughs> right, um, well, thank you very much for guys for listening. Uh, get in touch with us via the usual channels, uh, dudemonkey at gmail.com, at dudemonkey on Twitter, at Ian Loring on Twitter, at dudefoz on Twitter, uh, at filmrant on Twitter. We are an official podcast of uh, filmrant.co.uk. Ian, anything else to add? I'm done. I better get on. I better get downstairs because I think Lottie's kicking off. I think Don probably wants a hand. Cool. Uh, and I'm gonna go and eat. So speak to you soon, guys. And uh, thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Bye.